Welcome to a new episode of the Philmont Lincoln Center podcast. This week, we're featuring a conversation between filmmakers and longtime collaborators, Sam Pollard and Spike Lee. The two talked about their time working together, Pollard's early career, his editing process, and much more. One of their greatest collaborations, When the Levees Broke, is now playing in our virtual cinema through January 22nd as part of our Sam Pollard retrospective. The full video of this talk is also available on FLC's YouTube channel. Now, let's go to the talk. You know, Spike, I, I had seen Do the Right Thing, and, and I was living in Boston, and then like a, two months later, you gave me a call. Boston? Yeah, I was in Boston, man. You called me about doing most- What are you doing in Boston? I was working with eyes, man. <laughs> I saw okay. the facts. You weren't, you weren't in Fenway Park where you got hope now. No, man, no. <laughs> You weren't in Fenway? <laughs> no. Fenway? Good, good. Because if you if you'd have told me you were a Red Sox fan, we would not be on the phone right now. <laughs> no, <laughs> I mean, man. I grew up being a St. Louis Cardinals fan. All right, Bob Gibson. That's right, Bill White, Rock, Kurt Flood. Kurt Flood. Lou Brock, man. Orlando Cepeda. That's right. Yeah. So yeah, that, so it was like a few months later, you gave me a call, man, about doing more better. How, how'd you get my name originally? Well, number one, I always tried to do my research. And my editor up to that point, I'd edit, you know, I wouldn't call it editing, but I do what I could for She's Gotta Have It. Right. And then Barry Brown edited Mo Better. And do the, do the right, right thing. thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Barry, I think he did, he had, he did that. I can't remember the film, but he couldn't do Mo Better. So I did my research. And uh, like a sports terminology, like the great general manager I am, I know talent. <laughs> I had to get you on the team. I had to get you on a 40 acres team. And here we are, decades later, my brother. I want to just thank, I want to take the time for everybody looking. That is an honor for me to be sharing this moment, particularly on MLK Day, with my brother, the great filmmaker. And I want to, I want to state this. You, Sam, Sam, you're just not an editor. You are a filmmaker, producer, director, editor. I'm glad that you don't let yourself get pushed in the corner where you're just known as an editor. You are a storyteller. Thank you. Nah, nah, nah. That's the, that's the truth, Ruth. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks. Nah, nah, like you say, 100, 100, it's the truth, keeping it 100. Right, right. Well, you know, for me, man, working the Mo Better was like, you know, I, just a jazz film about yeah, jazz. You're a jazz, you're a jazz head anyway. <laughs> That's right. So it was like a real pleasure to work on that, man. And then when we got the four little girls, man, you know, I was like, whoa. When we went down, remember when we went down to Birmingham and did the first set of interviews? That was yeah. some experience, man. With Chris McNair and the families. Yeah. You know. The thing, one of the, Sam, one of the things I remember one of the many things I remember about Four Little Girls, which also was one of the most bizarre things. I don't know if you were there or not, I don't remember, but when I had to interview 
George, Governor George Wallace. Were you there that day? No, I wasn't there. Oh, Lord. I saw this white supremacist who knew his days on this guy's earth were numbered. And it's in his interview, he tried to revise his history. Because mm-hmm. he knew he was going to be going to the, the holy gates. And in his interview, he was trying to atone for his hatred. And, <laughs> and then the crazy thing, he had a male nurse. Yeah, I remember. Who's, who's off screen. <laughs> and he pulled the male nurse to come into the frame. It showed the audience trying to prove that he's okay because a male nurse and the funniest moment, which is not that they're not they're not many laughs in no. a little girl. It's very tragic, very tragic and sad. But I couldn't help but dying laughing, looking at that male nurse's face. He was like, Oh, why, why am I you remember that? <laughs> yeah. Every, yeah. <laughs> and then he kind of eased out of the frame. Yeah, and then he he come in, he had this look on his face. <laughs> and then he just left. <laughs> man, man, that was that was some film, man. That was some film. But then, then no, go ahead, go ahead, Sam. Go ahead. And then remember when you we were, I guess we were finishing up. You were finishing up inside, man. When did when did we start and win levies? When did you come to me and say we wanted to do levies? You were finishing up inside, man, right? I, I can't, I can, I can't remember the you know the chronological dates. I do remember this. I do remember this, Sam. I was in Venice, of all places. I'm in Venice, Venice Film Festival. And Ty, my wife, tells me to turn on CNN. Because, you know, if you, once you leave America, you know, I'm in, film, I'm in Venice. Right. The Venice Film Festival. I'm not thinking what's going on in the United States. And Ty called me up and said, turn on the TV. Because I don't, I remember, I remember very vaguely hearing about an uh, approaching hurricane. Katrina, but I wasn't playing no mine. But when I turned on CNN, I did not leave my room. I'm in I'm in Venice, one of the most beautiful cities in the world, the Venice Film Festival. Right. I didn't leave my room, and uh, I kept seeing my people, horrific images of my people on roofs of their homes, mm-hmm. waving bed sheets, spray painted SOS. Day one, I was waiting for the rescue. Day two, day three, day four. It wasn't until day five, Sam, as you know, that the United States of America came to the rescue of his own American citizens. Yeah, horrific, man, horrific. You know, it, it, it's, it's, it's and, and, and you talk about, you know, all, everybody's looking at the history of past presidents, especially since we got Agent Orange. I don't call him by his name. I got a shout out to my Brooklyn brother, Buster Rhymes. He came up with that term, Agent <laughs> Orange. Buster. And, and everybody's looking at, you know, who's, that George Bush, that's a historic blemish on him. 
yeah. Katrina, and also, you know, message, uh, uh, weapons of mass destruction. And uh, people, yeah. again, when, when presidents in their actions or in action do stuff that leads to the deaths of American citizens, that's not a good look. And, it's, and a they, and look. They, it's a horrible look. It's, thank you, Sam. And it goes down. You could say, I will say, blood is on your hands. There's yeah. blood on George Bush's hands. There's blood. You go back to Nixon, war, Nixon, LBJ, Vietnam War. And most recently with uh, Agent Orange, with his refusal to deal with uh, that 19, that Rona. Right. That's right. And then, man, when watching watching him tell these people to go out to the Capitol two weeks ago, man. Insanity. Ooh, Lord. Insanity, man. But I'd like to say this, if I, if I may, Sam, I was not surprised by this. When they took over the Capitol building in Lansing, Michigan, that was a dry run. Mm-hmm. This, excuse my language, but this shit was planned, premeditated. It's not like they just, just happened out of, out of nowhere. People are going to come back and, li- and realize Michigan was a dry run for January 6th. Mm-hmm. And as the days pass, the truth is be, has leaked out about, you know, law enforcement. Yeah. Inside job. That's right. <laughs> Shenanigans. Skullduggery. <laughs> the okie doke. The okie doke. <laughs> what a country, man. What a country, man. Crazy. We're, we're living in historic, historic times, Sam, as you know. I know. And I, know you, I know you. I know you. I know you. You, you got to. I know you got a doc coming. <laughs> so you coming. <laughs> I know you're going to tell the story, Sam. I know you are. All right. In up, right. An upcoming documentary. And I'm looking forward to seeing it. Okay, man. Okay. You know, when we went down to New Orleans, man, you shot almost 100 interviews, man. Remember that? When we went down there for Levy's? Yeah. And, 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 and Sam, as you know, the audience might notice, might not notice, but there are many ways to make documentaries. I myself personally do not like documentaries as with that with that are narrated. Right. I don't either. That's just that's just my thing. I'm not hating on anybody, but for me, I prefer the voiceovers should not be voiceover. They should be the people. Yeah. Let the people tell the story. So as you just noted, you know, we did over a hundred interviews because we wanted those, we wanted the people to tell the story. And I know sometimes you have to get second and third hand accounts because of circumstances. But when you could get eyewitness accounts. Yeah, that's right, man. People were there. Not like I heard somebody told me little pookie down the block. You know? <laughs> <laughs> nah, we want to, we, 
And as you know, a lot of detective work has to go on. Right. So as you know, Sam, a lot of those interviews came about from referrals. I didn't I even know who these people were, but they said, yeah. Spike, you need to speak to you need to speak to this person too. That's right. So you got to go on leads, a lot of detective work. Because you might not, you don't know everything, but they do. That's what happened. I mean, when Judy and I went yeah. down there originally, we were finding people, then they gave us names of more people, we gave those names to you. That's how it worked, yeah. Yeah, the leads, you know, people gave you leads to the people you know could help you tell a story. Yeah. And that's how we got to over 100 interviews for that documentary. Yeah, it was some experience, man, shooting all that stuff. Really some experience. Yeah, we were there very early after New Orleans opened up. And if and you think about it, Sam, it looked a lot like New York during a pandemic. Yeah. If you think about it. If you think about it. Yeah. You, I just thought about this today. Yeah. At, when we went to New Orleans, it was like a ghost town. Yeah. And I automatically remembered how New York was during the height of the pandemic. Pandemic. Yeah. I just made that, just made that that link. That connection. Yeah. And you remember, you remember originally you wanted you thought it was going to be a two-hour film, Levies. Yes. And then you came to the other room and said, Man, this this can't this can't be two hours, man. This is this gotta be four hours. Yeah, I mean, uh I didn't know. Originally, with let's we got to give love to Sheila Nevins. Shout out to Sheila Nevins at HBO. When I pitched <coughs> it, as you noted, Sam, I originally said two hours. Little did I know. <laughs> I said, Sam, two hours is not going to be enough to tell a story. And again, a shout out to Sheila Nevins for believing in us yeah. and letting us expand from two hours to four hours. And I like, and I like to add, we went back to do uh, If God Is Real and the Creek Don't Rise, where we visited New Orleans. I said four hours. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I was in the room, man. I was in the room. We had I, said, this, I said, Sheila, this gotta be four hours. <laughs> I messed up by saying two. <laughs> yeah, was, and again, and again, Sheila said fine. Yeah, she came through. Yeah. She definitely supported it, man. I mean, these are two groundbreaking series for about this American experience, man. Groundbreaking. And, and Sheila Devins was, was right there and said, uh, you know, gave us the green light. Yeah, yeah. Cool, cool, man. So you you campaigning for the five bloods, huh? Yeah, you know I'm on on uh, the circuit, and uh, the five bloods ends with a speech that my Morehouse brother, Doctor Martin Luther King, gave at Riverside Church. Yeah, sixty-seven speech. Yes, where he talked about how moral this war was, and my brother, Dr. Martin Luther King, was assassinated a year later. That's that right. That same day, that That's very right. same day, gave that speech at Riverside Church. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, man. That was in the 60s, man, with some history, man. Some history yeah. in America, boy. Some history in America. Yeah, I was I was born in 57, so 67, I'm 10 years old. Yeah. So I was old enough to, to you know to, to see what's going on. And then at the dinner table, you know, we were talking about my parents, my late mother Jack, and my father Bill, so and my siblings. So we were talking about at the dinner table, you know what's happening in the world. Right. Wow. Well, I think we got it, man. I think we got it. Well, I just like to say, uh, you got nothing about Jungle Fever? Oh, man, Jungle Fever, man. For me, the, the best sequence is when Sam goes, you know, gets killed by by, by Aussie, man. That sequence yeah, is like, you know, and, and, and who is this? It's Marvin Gaye, man. Exactly. <laughs> That's where that came from. Oh, you got that from with his father? Oh, yes, Marvin, yeah. you never knew that? No, I didn't know that, man. I didn't know you that. You edited the film. I know I did. <laughs> Sam, my brother, that's where it came from. Oh. Marvin Gaye was killed, murdered by his father. Well, I know that. So, but I didn't so, yes, but that's where it came from. Oh, okay. Ozzy Davis played Samuel Jackson's father. Yeah, I know. I know that. <laughs> and he, well, that's where it came from. <laughs> oh, okay. You, you know Marvin Gaye and Sam, I have to say Sam, you, Sam, you're late, brother. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, what, Marvin, what year did whoa, whoa, what, what year did uh Tim? What year did Mo Better come out? <laughs> 1989, man. 1990. No, no, do the right do right thing is 89. 1990. 1990. We shot that 19. 19- <laughs> <laughs> we shot that the summer, the fall of 89. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's where it came from. Ah, okay. All right. Well, you know, Bob and I, yeah, and I you, had the same birthday. Yeah? Yeah, April 2nd. Do you remember the day we were shooting in Bensonhurst and I had a death threat and uh, the cops had to come? To, we weren't shooting in Bensonhurst. That's when Bensonhurst was Bensonhurst. Yeah, I know. Yusuf Hawkins, you know. Yeah, yeah. You had a death threat one day. Wow. You don't remember that either, huh? That I don't remember, man. (laughs) (laughs) I was deep in the editing room, man. I don't remember that. Bensonhurst, that whole scene with Wesley and... Yeah, did you see that documentary? About Yusuf Hawkins? Yeah. Yeah, I saw it. It's good. Yeah, yeah. But those images... Yeah. When they when they're marching through Bensonhurst, oh yeah, man, that could have been Birmingham, Alabama. Yeah, that was intense. You know what's intense about that doc is that brother who grew up in Bensonhurst. Man. Oh, how yeah. conflicted he is, man. Woo! Ooh. <laughs> I'm surprised he. I'm surprised he wanted to be a part of that. I'm surprised too, man. But you reminds me of, you know what it reminds me of, like that type of thing is like. Even though he's a Mooley, he's our Mooley. <laughs> yeah. He's a Moulinyan, but he's our Moulinyan. So That's right. he's all right. He's all right. <laughs> Fucking Mooleys. <laughs> yeah, he's a conf- I, I could tell in the film he's conflicted, man. So what? let me ask you a question. What are you working on now? You know, I'm, I've been helping. I'm co-directing a doc about Arthur Ashe. 
Oh, let me ask you a question. Yeah, As sure. an audience member, how do you, there's two things we got to talk about. This question and also you teaching because you and I teach. Yeah, you. Let's let the world know that you and I teach at the greatest film school in the world, NYU. That's right. My first question, my first question to you, Mr. Pollard, how do you approach, is there any difference in your approach between when you're editing narrative films and documentary films? Ah! <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, my approach is the same, man. I'm trying to create a dramatic story. It's just storytelling, right? Storytelling. It's the same approach. That's how I approach it. And when I'm talking to students, be it fiction students or documentary students, I tell them the same thing. I'm trying to create a story, you know, that's going to build and have a climax at the end. That's the same feeling. I always had that feeling. And the other thing that yeah. I, the other thing I like about teaching, I heard you say this, and I also agree with this. As a teacher, I feel like I'm not only learning, but I'm I'm not only teaching the students, but I'm learning from the students, which sometimes yeah. even helps me be a better filmmaker. So I, I love this whole connection with the students through the years at school. Yes, for the audience that might not know, Mr. Power and I have for many years taught at the world's greatest film school. Not USC. <laughs> I've loved the football team over the years. You and the thing about NYU, Sam, we've never had a Heisman Trophy winner. No. <laughs> <laughs> we've never won any national football championships. No. But when it comes to film, yes, we kick ass. Exactly. <laughs> so Sam and I have taught at the best film school, NYU Graduate Film School, and and many times we passed each other in the halls when we when we, when we spoke at each other's class. Uh, and uh, it's yes. been one, and, and as you said, I've, I've felt over the years that I've learned as much from my students as they've learned from me. Yeah. And if you're a teacher, professor, if you're not learning from your students, something's wrong. That's exactly right, man. Because you gotta have that, that flow. That's right. The give and take. The give and take. And, yeah. and, and give, exactly. Give, give and take. And if it's just coming from one way, then something's clogged. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. An artery of knowledge is clogged. <laughs> that's right. You know, and you and that's what's important about it, man. I mean, that's why I still dig it so much. You know, mm -hmm. I really still dig the experience of teaching, you know, prepping for my classes and everything, man. And, and another great thing I'd like to say about NYU Grad Film School, and I think you might you, you might agree with me, Sam, is that NYU has enabled us to still pursue our craft. Let us make our films. At the same time, teach. That's exactly right, man. That kind of flexibility has been fantastic. Given the flexibility, because yeah. NYU understands that grad and undergrad, that the learning process might be richer if the students are learning from working professionals. Exactly. Professionals who are still working. Exactly, man. Still working. That makes a great difference. Yep. I mean, no disrespect to any other faculty or whatever their situation is. No disrespect, all love. But when students 
when they're in a room and they're listening to yourself, me, other professors, they understand like this person standing in front of me, they're still working. That's <laughs> right. We, we're we're I in go the trenches. My computer and look that I am I'm I'm DB and see put their name and say in production. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like it makes a difference. Yeah, and they're always, they're always asking, how can you do it? How can you figure out how to be teaching and making films? I said, well, it just calls. You got to get up early in the morning, start early, and go late. You know. But 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 but, but there's some addition that which we, which I'm going to piggyback on you. NYU grad gives working professionals the flexibility mm-hmm. to do both. Yeah. Thanks, Hi, Sam. Man. Love you. Take Bye, it man. easy. Take it easy, man. Be good. Bye. Bye.